This message comes from NPR sponsor Total Wine and More. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, find what you love and love what you find at Total Wine and More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. If a loved one called you in a panic, asking for help, maybe they just got arrested or worse, kidnapped, and needed money immediately, what would you do? Turns out, it could actually be AI. My wife and I were asleep in bed when she got a phone call from her mom. At least it said so on her phone. And it sounded like her mom distressed and said that she was being held hostage with her husband in their house and that we needed to pay the hostage taker $500 for her to be released. I went into the kitchen while my wife stayed on the phone and called the police. They checked the house, found out there was nobody there, and the police told her that it was an AI scammer. Artificial intelligence is now making it possible to clone someone's voice and use it to trick family or friends. Scammers are taking advantage of the technology to con panicked loved ones out of hundreds and sometimes thousands of dollars. In November, the Senate Special Committee on Aging held a hearing on AI scams and how to address them. Gary Schulthorn spoke at this hearing. He's an attorney in Philadelphia, and he was the target of a scam in 2020. He joined me earlier to talk about his experience, which we'll hear about after the break. How can we recognize these types of scams, and what can people do to protect themselves from falling victim to them? I'm Jen White. You're listening to the 1A Podcast, where we get to the heart of the story. We'll be back with Gary's story in just a moment. This episode's sponsor is PWC, which offers the following message. A robot may not be coming for your job, but competitors are coming for your market share. PWC pairs the right tech with the right solutions to help you gain a competitive edge. Reimagine operations from the cloud, fuel innovation with responsible AI, and detect risks before they become headlines. Human-led and tech-powered, it's all part of the new equation from PWC. This message comes from NPR sponsor Capital One. The Capital One Venture X business card has no preset spending limit, so the card's purchasing power can adapt to meet business needs. Plus, the card earns unlimited double miles on every purchase, so the more a business spends, the more miles earned. And when traveling, the Venture X business card grants access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X business card, what's in your wallet? Terms and conditions apply. Find out more at CapitalOne.com slash VentureXBusiness. This message comes from NPR sponsor Comcast. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to reach millions with digital skills training, resources, and opportunities needed to succeed in a digital world. Learn more at Comcast.com slash Project Up. We start a discussion of how artificial intelligence is being used in scams with this conversation I had with Gary Schuldhorn. He's an attorney in Philadelphia, and he was the target of a scam in 2020. Gary, you received a call in 2020 while you were on your way to work. What did the caller say? The caller was my son's voice, and he said, Dad, I was in an accident. I hit a car being driven by a pregnant lady. I think I broke my nose. They arrested me. I'm in jail. Dad, you have to help me. They assigned a lawyer to me. I'm going to give you his number. you got to call him. Help me. Get me out of here. I said, Brett, I'll call him right away, and I'll call you right back. He says, you can't. They took my phone. Help me, Dad. 
That was the call. That must have been terrifying. It put me into action mode because, look, I'm, a, I'm an attorney. I'm a father. And here I get a call from my son who's both hurt and in jail, and he hurt a pregnant woman. So my entire instinct there was to get into an action mode and help my son. Now, you got several calls as a part of the scam. A supposed public defender called you. You were given a case number. You were even connected to a fake courthouse. How convincing were these conversations? Completely convincing. So the the this lawyer named Barry Goldstein, it's a pseudonym that he uses, uh, called me right away just after I had hung up with my son and told me that uh, he had met with Brett and Brett had hit a pregnant woman and broken his nose and that he had been arrested at the scene because he had failed the breathalyzer test. I said, that, that can't be. My, my son would not ever drink and drive. And he explained that Brett told him that, but that Brett had an energy drink that morning and that may have caused the failed test. And then he asked me if I was interested in bailing my son out. I said, of course. He said, do you have like ten or $15,000? I said, yes. He goes, well, let me give you the phone number of the courthouse and the, the docket number for your, case, for your son's case. You should call and bail them out. So I immediately hang up. I call the number. They answer it correctly. They ask why I'm calling. They ask for my son's name and the case number. I give it to them. And they said, yeah, bail was set at $90,000. You need to post a $9,000 bond. But he explained that there was a problem, that the county bail bondsman was away on a family vaca- family emergency, but that I could still get my son bailed out by posting an attorney's bond. I hang up. I call Barry Goldstein. He assures me that he could file an attorney's bond, uh, that I'd have to get him 9000 in cash, that he was a member of a credit union, and the way to get him the cash was to use a kiosk, which he would identify. I learned later that that was a kiosk that would convert my money to Bitcoin. And that uh, he was leaving for a convention in California. He had to leave for the airport in two hours. So I had to hurry. How did you find out this was a scam? Because, Gary, the level of detail, I think, would convince anyone that it was real. Those calls happened within two minutes. And so there is no time to think during that period. You're just in an action mode. Once the calls stopped, I had a chance to think. Mm. And uh, that caused me to first call my daughter-in-law to have her uh, let Brett's work know that he wouldn't be in because he was in an accident. And then I was making a series of other calls, but within the next few minutes, I get a FaceTime call from my son. Dad, my nose isn't broken. I'm fine. I'm not in a car accident. You're being scammed. As you can imagine, I sat there in my car. I just kept repeating, Brett, it was your voice. It was your voice. It was your voice. Once you had some time to process the experience, were you able to discern why you were targeted? No. Uh, And I can tell you that there have been hundreds of thousands of either messages left uh, on social media or actual phone calls to me from people 
who are experiencing this exact scam, including yesterday, I got a call, the exact scam, and the man's father had sent the uh, $7,000. You contacted law enforcement. How much were they able to help you? They were unable to help. So when once I knew it was a scam, I kept the, the scammer, this Mr. Goldstein, engaged in the scam and invited law enforcement to participate. And the Philadelphia police declined because I hadn't lost any money. And the FBI declined because although they were aware of the scam, there was little they could do. The scammers were using burner phones and cryptocurrency, and it's, it was uh, something that they couldn't help me with at the time. So I was left frustrated with an inability to get law enforcement involved while I kept the scammer going for, for quite a period of time. Gary, you were able to avoid losing money in this scam. But like you said, others haven't. The Federal Trade Commission says older Americans lost more than $1.6 billion to scams in 2022. What would you like to see lawmakers and tech companies do to address this security risk? There's, there's several answers to that question. First, people can protect themselves. Um, and that's more effective than waiting for legislation. One way is to have a family password so that if you get a call like this and you ask what's the password and they don't know it, it's a way to detect the scam. The other way to detect the scam is that if someone is asking you to pay in an untraceable form of money, whether that be gift cards or cryptocurrency or cash, those transactions aren't traceable. That's usually an indication that a scam is going on. Um, from the legislative standpoint, to strip the anonymity away from cryptocurrency and, uh, and burner phones would go a very long way into allowing people to have a remedy when they're hurt. They can find the scammers. They can find the money. So that would be certainly something that I would hope legislation could address. For people who have been affected by a scam like this, who, who've maybe lost money, what would you say to them about the shame they may be feeling? It's a significant point you raise. It, what has surprised me the most in this whole, this whole experience is that very few people, if any, have gone public. Um, I went public in 2020 for the purpose of hoping to prevent others from falling for this scam. I knew, uh, I'm, I'm relatively sophisticated, I've dealt with consumer fraud cases. I knew I was almost hooked, so I realized other people were going to be scammed and pay money, which in truth has happened to the tune of billions of dollars. So I went public and by, uh, by approaching the Philadelphia newspapers and getting a story published there's not that many people that have gone public I, for the reasons you've just addressed. They either feel ashamed or uh, victimized and they don't, they don't want their names to get out. But that helps the scammers. So the people who feel shame shouldn't. They're involved in a game with experts and they don't even know they're in a game. When you picked up the phone and heard your son's voice... And now that you've had some time to think about this this scam, 
what would you encourage others to think about the the ways in which our voices are present in in the world and how easy it is for scammers to to get a sample that they need in order to to replicate our voice i don't think we can live in a world where we don't have our voice projected somewhere somehow <clears throat> sometimes it's just a survey that you participate in and so i don't think we can ever take the steps so that no one hears our voice. Anybody that calls you, even if it's a wrong number, they can get you to talk for a few minutes. They have your voice. The issue becomes, how can you get a remedy for someone who who uses this technology to harm people, to harm the society? Where is the remedy? Where? What tools do we have? so that we can find and prosecute and collect. That was Gary Schuldhorn. He's an attorney in Philadelphia and the intended victim of a scam in 2020. Coming up, AI scams go beyond fake phone calls. We hear how Congress and the FTC is working to protect consumers and how you can protect yourself. We'll be back with more in just a moment. This message comes from NPR sponsor Rosetta Stone, an expert in language learning for 30 years. Right now, NPR listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership to 25 different languages for 50% off. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Charles Schwab with its original podcast on investing. Each week, hosts Lizanne Saunders, Schwab's chief investment strategist, and Kathy Jones, Schwab's chief fixed income strategist, along with their guests, analyze economic developments and bring context to conversations around stocks, fixed income, the economy, and more. Download the latest episode and subscribe at schwab.com slash oninvesting or wherever you get your podcasts. NPR Plus is a new way to support public media and get more from your favorite NPR podcasts like Fresh Air. Sometimes I'll actually preface the question with, if it makes you too uncomfortable to talk about, if it's too personal, just tell me. Here's the question. For behind-the-scenes content, bonus episodes, and more, sign up at plus.npr.org. Congress is watching the growing concern over AI scams. A bipartisan group of lawmakers introduced the No AI Fraud Act to the House this month. The bill would protect Americans' likeness and voice against AI-generated fakes. And earlier this month, the FTC created a competition with an award of $25,000 for the best ideas to protect consumers from AI voice scams. We'll speak to someone at the FTC later in the program. But first, let's learn more about how these scams are perpetrated and the efforts to combat them. Here to help us through it is Subarao Kampampardi. He's a professor of computer science at Arizona State University and the past president of the Association for the Advancement of AI. Professor Rao, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Also with us is Carrie Goldberg. She's the owner of the C.A. Goldberg Law Firm in Brooklyn and represents individuals injured by tech. Carrie, thanks for joining us. 
Hello, happy to be here. So, Professor Rao, earlier in the hour, we heard Gary Schuldhorn's story about his experience being the target of an AI voice scam. How sophisticated does a criminal need to be in order to conduct this type of scam? So, four years back, many of us have seen this Obama video that was shown as a way of showing the um, ability of this technology, and that required professional uh, preparation. Two years back, Gary seems to have fallen for it for a much you know, uh, easier way. And right now, pretty much you and I can get online and clone pretty much anybody's voice. So the barrier has really, really uh, gone down. So it doesn't require significant um, sophistication to do this anymore. How does a voice clone scam work technically? How much of your voice does someone need to clone it? So that's, again, another thing where the barrier has been falling down. Um, So it turns out, surprisingly enough, that at the uh, -the state-of-the-art research level, just three seconds, three seconds of your voice is enough to not only clone it, but even capture your emotions uh, under modulation. And so that's sort of mind-boggling, but, you know, that's really where we currently are. So anybody who actually has like more than about an hour of their voice in the public domain, such as I'm sure yourself, (laughs) it's extremely easy to give extremely hi-fi cloning of the voice. So, but in general for you and me, if we are just downloading one of these, um, you know, apps right now that many, many private companies are selling, it requires you to kind of say a few sentences, about 20 sentences um, in, you know, of different emotions. And then overnight, they will send you the cloned voice. And after that cloned voice, you can just type any text and that text would be spoken in that voice. So that's as, as simple as that. Well, Carrie, you also heard Gary's story earlier in the hour. How surprised are you that law enforcement wasn't able to help him? I'm not surprised at all. Um, I've found in my practice representing victims that law enforcement is not typically very sympathetic to scams um, and situations where somebody has has been duped. Um, But also, when we're talking about scams that happen on the internet and there's different levels of impersonation and anonymization and the offender could be on the other side of the globe, um, that can be both a daunting task to de-anonymize the offender, but also a fruitless one. If if the offender lives on the other um, end of the planet, then there's not going to be efforts to extradite somebody on, on this kind of crime. Well, this week in New Hampshire, the state attorney general warned voters about a robocall that likely used AI. The robocall sounded like President Joe Biden urging people not to vote in Tuesday's primary election. It's important that you save your vote for the November election. Voting this Tuesday only enables the Republicans in their quest to elect Donald Trump again. So that was an AI-generated robocall meant to sound like President Biden. Professor Rao, how concerned are you about the use of AI to, to dupe voters this election year? I am very concerned about especially that aspect. I'm sure some of us are old enough to remember South Carolina primary in 2000, when um, there was a whisper campaign against uh, uh, John McCain, uh, my, you know, the Arizona Senator John McCain, uh, that was through robocalls. 
now that sort of a thing is on steroids because it's not just some anonymous voice it's the voice that somebody you have heard telling you the stories that you would like to hear the confirmation by us and so i'm actually most worried about the impact of these sorts of voice scams and deep fakes not at the public like national presidential elections because the moment it comes out you guys will actually catch on to it and it you know make it public but what happens at the whisper campaign level and also in the smaller elections where there isn't that many people checking uh, for the veracity of these uh, things so yes that's actually going to be the biggest issue Carrie with your clients what do they tell you about how convincing these voices or these deep fakes are, are are there, do they ever have any clues that say, I I had a feeling that maybe it wasn't real or are they pretty convinced? Well, so a lot of my clients are not just the victims of, of a scam where they're duped, but sometimes they're, they're the, they're the ones whose images or voices have been, um, um, changed or, or, um, Duplicated, uh, manipulated, um, to to actually be, be doing the duping, and so so they're losing control of their of their identity, and it's tricking somebody else. And have you seen some of these examples of either the voice cloning or uh, deep fakes? Yes, I mean deep fakes is is sort of the newest phenomenon of image based sexual violence. Um, you know, for years we were dealing with with you know quote-unquote revenge porn and re- different um, websites that would publish revenge porn. But now there's, there's all this movement toward apps that create and enable um, deepfakes. So basically, they can take somebody's image and make it look very realistically like they're in a, in a porn shoot. Mm. Professor Rao, as this technology continues to advance, are there ways to spot an AI voice scam or or deep fake, and, and I'm thinking especially if I get that call um, that Gary was describing, and it's and it sounds like a loved one in a pretty frantic state. Is there a way to discern whether or not this is really that person? So at that particular time, you will not be able to discern. In fact, most confidence tricks happen even without this sort of a thing because we can't think clearly at that particular time. Plus, these voices would be essentially indistinguishable from the ones that you associate with your loved ones. There are ways that will actually work as of now. One is, first of all, being aware that this is actually possible. I mean, five years back, if your mom called you, you would have just assumed it's your mom calling you. Now you would be a little more worried after, for example, this program. Uh, so you would actually just be aware of it. And then you should, the two things that people suggest, one is you should try to interrupt the person talking and try to ask a question. Because many of these are scripted, it would be harder for them to actually do the fluent conversation that you and I can do. And secondly, perhaps more importantly, the question you ask should be something that you and that person would know the answer to. So in fact, um, Arizona has become like the ground zero for these voice scams over the summer this year. And Arizona Attorney General actually put out even a warning 
uh, sort of a public education. And one of the things is basically you should establish code words, um, you know, uh, code messages, etc. I understand it's a sort of an unromantic way to live life when you have to ask your mother to give a coded word to mm -hmm. prove that she's your mother. But that's where we currently are. I think longer term, there may be better solutions, but right now that's where we are. So basically, if you find yourself in a conversation to maybe try try to interrupt, throw some questions in there that might be difficult to script a response to and have that password. That's another uh, suggestion Gary shared with us earlier. Well, let's head to a quick break here. Still to come, the Federal Trade Commission will give $25,000 to whoever comes up with the best idea to prevent AI voice cloning scams. We talk with someone at the agency about their efforts to crack down on the fraud. We'll be back with more in just a moment. This message comes from NPR sponsor Charles Schwab with their original podcast, Choiceology. Hosted by Katie Milkman, an award-winning behavioral scientist and author of the best-selling book, How to Change. Choiceology is a show about the psychology and economics behind people's decisions. Hear true stories from Nobel laureates, authors, athletes, and more about why people do the things they do. Download the latest episode and subscribe at schwab.com podcast or wherever you listen. Is 2024 the year of the AI scam? One Consumer Affairs report warns it could be. The report suggests the year's top scams will involve and be led by artificial intelligence. I'd like to add another voice to the conversation. Lois Greisman is the Associate Director of the Federal Trade Commission's Division of Marketing Practices. The FTC is the federal agency that enforces antitrust and consumer protection laws. Lois, welcome to the program. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. So the FTC is looking to the public to help tackle AI voice scams. The competition did just close on the 12th, but there's a $25,000 prize on the line to whoever offers up the best solution. What do you hope comes from this competition? An innovative approach to identifying that the phone call you receive is a cloned voice. Some sort of technological intervention that prevents monitors and somehow can flag that the voice you are listening to is a clone voice or even pre prevent it from getting to your device in the first place. Are you seeing anything promising so far? As you said, it just closed last week. So we're beginning the process of evaluating it. It'll take some time, but we're very much encouraged by the volume of submissions that we received. And we've experienced doing this. Back in 2012, we issued the FTC's first challenge to the public, challenging people to come up with some court of some kind of technology that would block the endlessly unwanted robocalls. Mm -hmm. At that time, there was virtually nothing in the marketplace uh, uh, that provided such protection. And the winner, actually, Nomo Robo, was in the marketplace within six months and remains there as, as a very useful way to, to block unwanted calls. Now, in August, the FTC sued a group in California that had scammed people out of $22 million. A federal court temporarily shut down that operation. The scam didn't actually use AI, but it promised investors high returns by using the powers of AI. Explain a little bit more about how the scam worked, Lewis. Sure. We're seeing this actually a fair amount. Scammers are promoting that they have the secret sauce, which is powered by AI, to enhance your ability to invest, to make your returns 200% or more. Um, and also the ability to, if you're a business opportunity, to enhance your ability to generate traffic to your site, to enhance your ability to increase revenues. 
So this was a temporary hot halt on this operation, but what progress has been made to keep people safe, specifically from from this type of scam that promises these huge returns? Well, we have a lot of law enforcement eyes in the marketplace, and I assure you we have a good number of investigations underway, both looking at entities that may be using AI themselves to perpetrate the fraud, such as voice cloning or deep fakes, and also the entities you referred to just before that are using AI claims to promote their their products, promote their services in a way that simply is false and deceptive. Professor Rao, in 2019, the Wall Street Journal reported one of the first instances of AI-based voice fraud. AI was used to clone the voice of a CEO to trick an employee into transferring over $240,000 from the company. What other sort of financial scams are you anticipating becoming more rampant? I think the institutional ones are going to continue, but I think people there are a lot more aware of that sort of a possibility. Uh, I think the ones that I'm a lot more worried about is institution to individuals because individuals actually are not anywhere near as aware of the possibility of technology. I think at the top of the hour, you pointed out something to, uh, about the older uh, people who may actually not be keeping track of this technology. So ARP has been trying to make this possibility of this sort of cloning of both voice and video uh, something that their members know about. And, you know, so I think those are the things that might help. Lois, how much of your work is about education and making sure the public is aware, not just of, of the scams that, that are out there, but how to combat them? Uh, a tremendous amount of focus is on education. We have a discrete group that this is what they do. Knowledge of scams, such as voice cloning scams, is a powerful prevention tool. And people get a lot of their knowledge and information about what's going on from the press, from news, programs just like this. And what we have found is that if, you are, if you've heard that something is a scam, you may be more likely to stop, to pause, maybe to ask somebody, you know, what do you think about this? And that's a tremendously powerful prevention technique. I want to turn back to the No AI Fraud Act that was introduced in the House this month. Carrie, there's some concern that this act could be too broad. The Digital Rights Group Electronic Frontier Foundation writes that the act, quote, applies to an incredibly broad amount of digital content. Any likeness and or voice replica that is created or altered using digital technology, software, and algorithm, etc. There's not much that wouldn't fall into that category, from pictures of your kids to recordings of political events to docudramas, parody political cartoons, and more, end quote. Carrie, how concerned are you that the efforts to combat AI scams could limit speech and creativity on the internet? Well, I mean, there is a First Amendment um, exception to the bill. I mean, it is is certainly rather broad. Um, But, you know, most states now have anti-SLAPP um, legislation. So those are lawsuits, um, or those are defenses to lawsuits. They're um, strategic lawsuits against public participation. So if if you're sued for um, something that's protected by the First Amendment, you can counterclaim and say that, you know, this is protected speech. And then if you're successful in that, it, it um, t- turns the tables and the other side has to pay your attorney's fees. Uh, so it's a big deterrent to frivolous lawsuits that are based on speech. Yeah, Professor Rao, this is something we come back to over and over again. T- 
technology has always moved faster than regulations. How hopeful are you that lawmakers can not just tackle this issue, but keep up with it and maybe get ahead of some of this? I think parts of it, especially where you know the the, the main uh, big companies are being used are supporting that sort of, uh, you know, voice fakes and deep fakes. Technology, the, the law from U.S. will help combat that for sure. Uh, but I'm a lot more hopeful of the fact that with public education, we will be able to take this into stride. I mean, we have all lived through uh, times when it used to be, quote unquote, more innocent times. And yet we are here, we are actually doing fine, even though the uh, that sort of innocence is lost. And I think this will be one more step in that once we get used to it. I mean, there may be some false positives. I, I was chuckling to myself when one of your callers said that uh, uh, his son voice sounded a little bit even more like his son's voice. And that sort of reminded me of this Charlie Chaplin taking part in Charlie Chaplin lookalike contest and coming second. Mm. We might well all be in that sort of a scenario. But I think once we know that this is possible, that's how we will adapt to it. And, you know, uh, laws are going to be partly useful, but I don't think that they can completely stop this given the type of crimes because there is no jurisdictional um, control over who is committing them. We heard from a 1A listener earlier in the hour, Lois, about some of the shame and embarrassment people experience when they are the victim of one of these scams. What should you do if you find yourself caught up in one of these scams if maybe you've, you've sent the money already? First and foremost, there is no shame in it. I mean, these are sophisticated, calculated scammers. Sometimes they're, they're deliberately targeting people and learning a lot about them to make their sales pitch more effective. Many things to do depending upon how you paid, and payment is a red flag. It's anyone asking you to pay by wire transfer, by cryptocurrency, by gift cards. Those are hallmarks of fraud. So, and, And should you have paid in that manner, instantly try to contact the gift card issuer, try to go back to the retailer where you might have purchased it, Go to the, the wire transfer service, see what you can do. Then we encourage every, everybody, please report it to the FTC. Report fraud, one word, dot FTC.gov. Those reports are invaluable. They go into a huge database that's used by law enforcement all over the country to try to identify scammers, connect dots, develop leads, and identify people who can assist us in, in tracing the money and tracking down the scammers. Professor Rao, knowing the technology and its capabilities and how quickly it's moving and developing, what's the worst case scenario uh, for this type of AI fraud if we don't get a handle on it, if it's not addressed? I think one of the things um, that I'm really worried about is not really deep fakes, but head fakes. In That's what I call them. But in general, you will have a personality that talks to you over a period of time And then sort of you provide all the information about your life. And these are like very spearfish attacks, they call them. It's already happened with actual people sort of trying to scam you. Now it's this AI personalities. As we speak, there is a completely AI-generated 
um, a character in, in an Instagram character in Italy that, uh, who is making about a million dollars a year from endorsements, etc. So we are all in the wrong jobs, apparently. But the, the point is that those sorts of things, essentially mental modeling people and then trying to make them trust you, those things are also very big. Um, and, and that is a different set of issues that are going to come um, on the heels of um, a single call where you're saying, give me the money. Mm-hmm. Because typically, you know, I think one of, I keep telling people that one of my favorite movies is The Sting that many of you may have watched. And The Sting is what is actually possible without spending too much of your own time. You can just have the AI help you in you know, making a sting. Um, and that's something that worries me quite a lot. That's Subarao Kampamparty. He's a professor of computer science at Arizona State University. Also with us today, Carrie Goldberg, the owner of CA Goldberg Law Firm, and Lois Greisman, the associate director of the FTC's Division of Marketing Practices. Thanks to you all for joining us. This program comes to you from WAMU, part of American University in Washington, distributed by NPR. I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening. This is 1A. This message comes from NPR sponsor, ShipBob. E-commerce logistics making you question why you started your business? Time to outsource fulfillment to the experts over at ShipBob. Get a free quote at shipbob.com. ShipBob. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Rosetta Stone, an expert in language learning for 30 years. Right now, NPR listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership to 25 different languages for 50% off. Learn more at rosettastone.com slash NPR. With NPR Plus, you get bonus content from behind the scenes of your favorite shows, like the NPR Politics Podcast. A friend of mine who worked at the Associated Press came in to the courtroom and said, Step to it. Michael Cohen is flipped on Trump. And with NPR Plus, you'll be supporting public media. Learn more at plus.npr.org.